We give glory and honor to God for granting us this opportunity to share with you. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Welcome, dear listener, to this promising session of the New Life Program. I'm your presenter, Samuel Maangi. Maureen Kwamboka is on standby with the family segment. Today, she will talk about commitment isn't what is used to be. Brother Steve Rundu will also be joining us during the Bible session to talk about stewardship as a response to grace. Advent Homecoming Ensemble will start us off with the song, The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power. Be blessed. Oh 
This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Let us now give way to Maureen Komboka to talk about commitment isn't what it used to be. Be blessed. Dear listener, I want to invite you to our marriage series, The Abundant Life, based on John 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I believe the fullness of life involves having happy marriages. But you see, if we are to have happy marriages, we need to be committed. And so I want you to listen to our topic today. Commitment isn't what it used to be. You see, life is really a paradox. You go to the marriage registry office and you notice a man and a woman who are obviously going to get married that day. There is so much kissing, hugging, laughing, and a talk of love going on that you can almost see the electricity of it all in the air. In contrast, standing next to them in another line is a woman who is filing for divorce and another woman behind her who is also filing for her divorce. The air around them is filled with anything but love and optimism. It is obvious from the countenance and the words that they are throwing around that they are extremely hot and angry. It is surprising that a thunderstorm doesn't erupt in that registry because of the clash of the different forms of energy these people are emitting in the same room. Dear listen, how tragic it is to see the difference in the countenance of all these people. The couple that is getting married is obviously overjoyed as their dreams are being realized. The others who are filing for divorce are distraught as their dreams appear to have been shattered. Of certainty about those divorcing is that never in their wildest imaginations did they imagine or think on their wedding day that they would ever be standing in line to get a divorce. How could something that starts out with so much joy and enthusiasm deteriorate into such utter sadness and distress? What could have happened, we wonder? Well, tragically, a lot can happen. And more people than we want to count have found that to be true. And yet marrying and divorcing is still going on all around us. But what's especially distressing is that those who claim to be Christians are marrying and divorcing at almost the same rate as those who don't claim to live by the values of Christ. Why is that, we wonder? One of the many, many reasons we surmise is that marital commitment isn't what it used to be, as we see from the rising divorce rate in the recent years. And it definitely isn't what it should be, not by biblical standards especially. The question we ask is, what has happened to keeping our promises of commitment in how we live out our marital vows till death do we part? We are told in the Bible to let our yes be yes and our no be no. We are called as believers in Christ to be promise creepers, remembering that we made our vow not only to our spouse, but also to our God. 
in the light of what we promised each other and God, what has happened to our commitment to live out the covenant promise till death do we part? Is our marriage vow only to be lived out till love ends do we part? Or till hatred begins do we part as those outside of the Christian faith appear to believe? How will they know we are Christians by the love we show to one another when our marriages show nothing much different from theirs? Author Dennis Rainey addresses this subject in his book One Home at a Time, which is published by Tidal House. In this book he writes, Marriage is not just a private experiment littered with prenuptial agreements and an attitude of try me. If it doesn't work, you can always bail out. Marriage is not some kind of social contract, something you just do for as long as you both shall love. Marriage is a sacred covenant between one man and one woman, and they are God for a lifetime. It is a public vow of how you will relate to your spouse as you form a new family unit. Any covenant, including the marriage covenant, is a binding weighty obligation. In Proverbs 20 verse 25 we read, It is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. God says in Malachi 2 verse 16, I hate divorce. The Lord didn't stutter when he spoke those words. It is time for each of us to embrace and proclaim God's sacred view of marriage as well as his corresponding hatred for divorce. Authors Dennis and Barbara Rainey also challenge our views on marriage commitment in their books, Moments Together for Couples. In the August 11th devotional page, they write, We need to resurrect the true meaning of commitment. In this age of light beer, light syrup, light salad, it's no wonder we exhibit light commitment too. But for a Christian, commitment is a sacred vow and promise to God. It's two people who hang in there during the best and the worst of times and who won't quit. It's a husband and wife who find working through problems much more rewarding than working out. We need to pass on to our children the real definition of commitment while continually exposing the lies that their peers and the media propagate. A person who does not understand his or her ultimate accountability to God has little reason to fulfill a vow or commitment to another human being. It is our prayer that all of us will join hands as a Christian community to play an active part in helping those who consider marriage, including our children, to slow down and do what they can to make sure they really understand the covenantal commitment they are heading into when they marry. We pray that we all do what we can to impress upon them to take more time and intentionality in preparing themselves in the best way possible so that they can live out the covenant or commitment of marriage for the rest of their lives as God intends. Dear listener, if you are considering marriage, please, please, Please do all you can to make sure the above challenge applies to how you approach marriage. Do not allow your marital commitment to imitate the world's approach. God takes the commitment of marriage very seriously and so should we. 
It is also our prayer for you and for us this week that we'll view the way in which we interact with our spouse as if our actions are being done as unto the Lord. We pray that we'll live out our marital covenantal commitment, showing by our words and actions that we are God's promise keepers, communicating the gospel with and without words to our spouse and those within our influence. May God richly bless your marriage. May you enjoy the abundant life that true marriage brings. We appreciate those who have given us the thoughts concerning this program. We are here just for you. For those who never communicated to us, you can start today by writing to the producer, Adventist All Radio, P.O. Box 422-76-00-100, Nairobi, Kenya. You can also email us through awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Here's a song, The King is Coming, by Advent Homecoming Ensemble.
can hear the chariots rumble, I can see the marching throng, the flurry of God's trumpet, spell the end of sin and wrong. Regal robes are now unfolding, heaven's grandstands all in place, heaven's Start to sing amazing grace. For the King is coming, the King is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now His face I see. For the King is coming, the King. That you've been looking forward to the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Brother Steve Rundo. Mission and money. Our key text comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 35, verses 20 to 29. I will read, Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work, on the tent of meeting for all its service, and for the sacred garments. And who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold, jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or got hair, ram skin, dried red, or hides of sea cows, brought them all. Those presenting an offering of silver and bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord, and everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen. And all the women who were willing, and had the skill spot the goat hair, the leaders brought onyx, stones, and other gems to be mounted on the effort and breastpiece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offering for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. This passage is skillfully written. There are a pattern here that I realized as I was reading. And you will notice from this particular verses in Exodus 35 verse 21, there is this excerpt that says, And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him came and brought an offering. Also in verses 22, I take this excerpt that all who were willing, men and women alike. In verses 24, there is this phrase, All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offering, for all that work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. That is verses 29. Verses 24 says, Those presenting an offering 
brought it. Do you feel the rising crescendo of enthusiasm for that cause? The principle is this. Mission is more important than money. Vision precedes provision. Church consultant and seminar leader Kenon L. Callahan has this to say about the connection between a congregational generosity and its sense of mission. And I quote him, Living is giving. This is the first principle of giving. We live life best as we give our strengths, gifts and competences in the service of God's mission. We are called to serve, not to survive. Our giving makes a difference in our families, our work, our community, our world and our church. We want our lives to count. We want to make a difference. We do not want to spend and waste our lives in flimsy, foolish ways. We want the confidence that we are living for a cause that counts. Our lives count best when we direct them to the mission of God. The mission of God is eternal. Civilizations rise and fall. Empires come and go. New beginnings emerge. But the mission of God goes on forever and more. As the 21st century stretches before us, the possibilities for mission are extraordinary. Mission is more important than money. This does not diminish, deprecate, nor deny the value of money. Money is important, yes, I do agree. It is a means by which a portion of God's mission is advanced. Gaining a constructive perspective invites understanding the relationship between mission and money. It is important to keep an appropriate balance between the two. And it is also very crucial to never let money become more important than mission. God calls congregations to missions. As verses 29 says, They brought to the Lord free will offering for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Now the Lord through Jesus Christ commanded us to do something, the great commission. We were sent to the entire world to teach and preach, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the only work given unto us. And therefore, we are called to a more crucial plan of mission than even the plan that was there before. And therefore, we are supposed to never let our monies or our financial obligations to come before our mission. God calls congregations to mission. Churches that become preoccupied with money have lost their way. They have lost their integrity by their narrow focus on money. Such congregations do just enough missions to delude themselves that they have not lost their way. But their central preoccupations are money, membership that grows and, and maintenance of the church. Money follows mission, not the reverse. This is a shorthand way of saying that the stronger the congregation's relationship and characteristics with God, the easier it is to raise money. The stronger the congregation's mission, visitation, worship, groupings, leadership, and decision-making, the stronger the giving. I have a few questions for you. What is your church's mission? And what is your personal mission? And therefore, how does your giving relate to these missions? I call upon you, brethren, to pray about these things. We pray, O oh, dear God in heaven, when I give, bring to my mind the mission you have placed upon my heart. Lord, teach me how to be a better giver so that I can be able to attend to the church's mission, the great commission that you have sent us to go here to the world so that we can go and teach and preach to all of them, the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, teach me how to understand that it is more important to put mission first than money later on. Father, teach me how to put your people first 
your servants who go out for mission, teach me how to give them first before putting my monetary obligation for my own personal gains later on. I love you, Lord, and therefore I ask you to always be with me for I pray, trusting and believing in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's been us having a company. In case you have any views, comments, or questions about this show, please send it to the producer, Adventist World Radio, PO Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at Until next time, I have been a presenter. Goodbye. Oh